0: Invested in actually winning. I think that's not talked about enough in sports, like all of the major sports. Of course it's a business and of course you have to be successful, but how many of these organizations also place winning on a level platform with success? I think I, I think there's a case to be made there. I, I think he's absolutely like not only in the running, but everybody's like, whoa, we just it doesn't matter what these other quarterbacks have done.
1: This is the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm Tatum Everett. Gabe Henderson, Jay Nelson are in TCO Radio Studios with me. and We've got producer Eric Davidson on the ones and twos. And right off the top, we're going to welcome in a voice you're very familiar with. You heard him all season on the Vikings podcast channel with the tailgate. It's Cy Amundsen. Cy, have you processed everything so far? How you doing?
0: Oh, Defined process. Um, (laughs) Able to talk uh, about it. (laughs) We're gonna find out. Um, I yeah. I like to think that I look at sports in a a relatively healthy way, where it can really make my day, but it can only ruin it a little bit, right? Like it took me a long time to get there, but I got to a point in my life where if something awesome happens for a team I love, it can really, it can. be a great thing and if it goes the wrong way it's only a little bit of a bad thing and I've been living in that place for for a while now so i you know I was a bummer it was a bummer way to lose um and uh but you know I there's a lot of there's a lot of great things happening with the team and it's going to be a really interesting off season and a really interesting future it feels you know the last few years kind of felt like you were grabbing at a last chance for something. And now it kind of feels like we're at the beginning of something. And, um, you know, I, I think that makes a tough loss like that a little easier. Uh, but what I generally do is uh, just disappear from communication channels for a little <laughs> while. So I don't like lose my job or get yelled at. That's, <laughs> that, that's the way that I emotionally. Jay had Jay gets texted by me <laughs> all season long during the games. Like he could put out a book that was like, <laughs> here's why you shouldn't hire Cy. I don't
1: know where you're talking Don't share about. <laughs> don't share phone numbers with Cy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like I I am still a, like a fan. I am it's been so wonderful to work for the teams and uh but i like well not to go off on a tangent but so when i first moved to la and i was like like i'm an okay actor and i'm the worst auditioner on the face of the planet i am terrible at it and so i wasn't very good at getting jobs and i like there was something about auditioning and acting that kind of stole a little bit of the magic away from television because then all of a sudden now you're watching television and you're like you're thinking of it and how it's made rather than escaping into the fictional world yeah. they've built.
2: You know too much.
1: Exactly. Yeah, so I kind of have
0: to build this defense mechanism uh, to keep myself, uh, you know, enjoying things. And I've been able to do that in sports a little bit, too, where it's, I've, I've let myself maintain being a psychopath fan while still working for the team. And that's the way I handle that is I, I walk away for a while when my emotions are running high.
2: That's mm. called self-preservation. And, yeah.
1: I like that. And I'm not yeah. on Twitter
0: <laughs> anymore.
3: That <laughs> helps. Is that by choice?
0: Uh, some, somebody <laughs>
3: like
1: yeah, somebody a year ago
0: a Twitter account. Like they hacked it and turned it into a fake Elon Musk <laughs> account that was like promoting crypto platforms. And I just never took it back.
1: Wow, how relevant now,
2: Sai? That m- that might be the best acting job you've ever done. That you actually didn't do that yourself.
3: <laughs> did you? Did you have to audition for that?
2: Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I failed miserably for sure. Uh, Sai, you talked about um, th- this year just felt different. What, what what gives you that feeling of hope going forward?
0: Uh, I want to see how I want to phrase this. I mean, obviously, it's O'Connell. It's quasi It's just newness. I think newness is always hope. Uh, we had a guy on the tailgate this year, Jay and I, that said this great thing, like, he's not smart enough or rich enough to make the decisions for his team. And so when the decisions are made, he starts at this place of like, I'm going to give this coach or general manager or quarterback or whoever it is my trust until they prove that i shouldn't right and i think that's a really fun way to look at sports and uh so far these guys like the last few years before o'connell and question you know i'm super appreciative of what mike zimmer and rick spielman had done for the team but you know it, it it didn't as a fan The last couple of years weren't the most fun years fan experience wise for me that I've had as a Minnesota Viking fan. And so I think knowing that we have a couple of owners, knowing that we have owners that are so, I don't want to sound like a suck up, but they're so invested in actually winning. I think that's not talked about enough in sports, like all of the major sports. Of course, it's a business and of course you have to be successful. But how many of these organizations also place winning? on a level platform with success and view it as a part of success. And our guys do that, hired people who, you know, through this first season, haven't given you any reason to not believe in him. Like no one's going to hit a hundred, right? A hundred percent. No one's going to, no one's going to hit everything out of the park, but between the culture we saw, the situational coaching, even with all the things that people were saying, you know, with a point difference, yada, yada, yada. There were so many good things. Like, if you watched the post-game locker room talk, like, listening to Kevin O'Connell interview with Ben Lieber after the game and then watching his locker room talk, like, I don't know how you can't be excited for that guy into the future. And, you know, I know, you know, our last year's draft class, there were some unfortunate injuries and stuff like that. So we don't really know how that's going to look long term. But the TJ Hawkinson trade that Kwesi made, it's just so far you have more strikes to the positive than you do the negative by a long shot. So, I don't know. I just think having a healthy organization and having people who so far have shown that they are capable of earning your trust as a fan, I don't know, that gets me excited. And I think also, like, it kind of feels like when a college coach comes in and plays with someone else's recruits, you're like, okay, now we're going to see what they're really made of. Right when those guys graduate, well, I mean, couple of draft picks, Zadarius, you know Hicks. There, there are a couple of changes, right? But you're you're essentially this group came in and this is this is the team that they walked into, and now they get to really mold it into their form and their idea. And I, I mean, I think that's exciting.
3: Yeah, um, and, and you just look at that. I mean, there there is um a lot of a lot a lot of positives to build on. So the fact that you said, you know, this is a, a regime that's come in and kind of figure things out with a team that they did not, you know, bring in all together on their own. I think that is a positive going forward, Jay.
2: Yeah, I think also you just kind of look at it and say you feel like this season they outkicked their coverage on what expectations were. Um I don't think people really expected to have a 13-win season and you know the 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 closeness of margin for all of those games and being as positive as it was versus the previous seasons was something that it just felt like yeah, it felt like everything was kind of clicking and and you got You got it right at least on one level, but yet the deficiencies showed up in the in the postseason as well. And you know the team has decided to kind of make some changes to try to address that. So I think the best part, at least on my end, is to look at it and say there were the positive moments. You saw what your deficiencies are, and that there wasn't this feeling of saying "Eh, it was a fluke. Let's let's just you know stand pat and see what happens. They were you know immediately looking to make a change to try to address it because. You know, as as I think probably as angsty as the fans were and people were in the public, I'm sure internally there was the frustration of it too, feeling like we had a chance, we had a a good roster, at least on paper that we were working with. And then just to feel like in the future, you know, we we have the ability to make some changes and and to address that. And personally I always look at it as it probably is gonna take you like three to five seasons before you really feel like you have a full overhaul of your roster of what you really want or, or the type of players graduate. that you want. Yeah. And and so you know I, I kind of have looked at this as it's going to be this rebuilding thing, and I think you know the 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 uh, strategic and competitive rebuild is the the point kind of where we're at, and and I'm hoping that you know the idea of having to completely rip this thing down to the studs is is always daunting, and you don't really want to see that, especially internally, you don't want to feel like you're going to be having to do that, and sometimes it you have to, but I think you know on my end side the idea of at least there's a good core here of of top quality players that they can build around is something that, you know, people should be happy and hopeful for.
0: Yeah. And now here's, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm one of these guys that's okay with rip it down to not, not with, I'm not even saying with this particular team, I just mean philosophically, like any either direction, you know, if I believe the right people are in charge, I'm going to kind of going back to what I said earlier, I'm going to give them the latitude to tell me if they truly think they can accomplish a competitive rebuild, which to be fair, I believe is the most difficult thing to do in all of professional football. I, I kind of in the past thought it was a myth. It's it, 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 just, that's hard. Like to given that we live in the salary cap era, uh, I think the teams that have been able to do it have, you know, they have a couple of really key young superstars, and that's what the Vikings have. If you're looking at Christian Derisaw and you're looking at Justin Jefferson, you go, okay, Je- those those two guys are so good that they affect wins, right? You know, there's a constant Kirk Cousins conversation in our state, our city, state, nationally. Like, it's a nonstop conversation, right? And people want to go, oh, you know, he played well enough for this. He just was like, to me, the number one guy that affect wins, affected wins and losses this year as a fan watching was Justin Jefferson, and I think he is to my surprise. I thought he was going to be great, but I was the one trying to keep everybody like, hey, let's tamp our expectations down a little bit here. But he's entered that rarefied like Donald, right? You know, Micah Parsons. You know, the elite quarterbacks. There's a small handful of guys that you're like, oh, you give me that guy. He's worth a handful of wins on top of whatever your team would normally be. So maybe a competitive rebuild really is possible because of he and and Derisaw and some of the other youth on the team. It's just, it's building a team in today's salary cap world is a difficult task. And to walk a competitive rebuild path, if you can pull it off, man, I mean, it takes a home run, right? I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Dak Prescott down in Dallas, but the Micah Parsons pick saved that entire situation. Micah Parsons is on a rookie deal. They were able to pay Dak, pay Zeke, pay, you know, pay all these guys, and they get their drafting. They get CeeDee Lamb, they get Micah Parsons, and they get Diggs. They're all, all three of those guys are on rookie deals. That's the way you can survive. And I think if you go back, You know, I think the last few years of the Vikings, you know, we we didn't necessarily land a a defensive guy. You know, we got Jefferson on his rookie deal. He got Derisaw. You know, something like hitting a home run on a defensive guy can really, really help you through a time when you're figuring out stuff like cap situations and competitive rebuilds and stuff like that. I don't know if that sounds like nonsense, but uh, as, again, as Jay will tell you, I'm very annoying about my salary cap for for a guy who knows nothing about anything, for a guy who would get laughed out of the like the the waiting room where people were having an important meeting about football stuff, uh, I do have a disgustingly fierce view on building a team in today's era. <laughs> so. So, but I, I think they can do it with those young guys, they do.
1: Well, Speaking of building the team, the defensive coordinator search is on after Kevin O'Connell announced Ed Donatel will no longer be the team's D.C., Sai, have you been keeping up with the names on the Vikings.com coach tracker? Yeah, uh, <laughs> like the plug, the shameless yeah, I, plug.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. I actually have it on. Uh, we have a projection screen here, and I just keep the <laughs> the tracker on the projection there you go.
1: screen.
0: Your number, your number one place to track coaches.
1: Right. Uh, well, I mean, we've yeah. had an interview every single day this week, and uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So. Ryan Nielsen came in on Monday, Sean Desai on Tuesday, Mike Pettin on Wednesday, and on Thursday as Brian Flores.
0: I'm a huge Flores guy. I'm skeptical that it could work out because of the opportunities that I think are going to be in front of him elsewhere. But, you know, what I, what I like about Kyle Shanahan out in San Francisco, and, you know, and, and even though his coaches aren't successful elsewhere, Bill Belichick in New England, it's like one of the least discussed head coach, you know, skill sets or abilities or, you know, process, whatever you want to qualify it as, is an ability to hire great people. You know, and I can understand why, you know, familiarity is important and long-term relationships and working environment. But these guys who manage to get big time skill in the building is like San Francisco its such a great example. They lose their, their OC last year, Mike McDaniel, he goes, so there's everybody's bumping, everybody's moving within the organization. They go out and they get Brian Greasy, former, you know, Mon- Monday night football analyst. Now that it's Joe and Troy, they get Brian Greasy, they bring him in and he's been outstanding and has a ton to do with Brock Purdy. And it's not like Brian Greasy is a long time best friend or anything. So Uh, The names that I'm seeing that O'Connell's bringing in, they look like the names. Like if you were any organization, these are the guys you should be interviewing. So I think that's exciting, and I think you know just knowing that guys like Flores are in the building, uh, that should be that should be really promising for Viking fans because it means the head coach is a guy who just wants the best brains in the building to build the best units.
1: Speaking of brains, did you I, I when I was doing my research on these guys, Sean Desai has an undergraduate degree in philosophy and political science from Boston University, a master's in higher and post-secondary education from Columbia, and a doctorate in educational administration from Temple. That guy's got
0: yeah, some brains. That's, that's, a, that's a lot of degrees. To a lot of degrees. be the best, the best
2: <laughs>
0: principal ever imagine? <laughs> I, so I hey you could probably
1: world. talk to young kids a little bit uh a little bit there
0: so that's i all teachers my family is all teachers i went for essentially after school programs and big brother big sister it's called public park and recreation studies but when you say that people just think of ron swanson so uh but <laughs> i like those are not there's some degrees out there that aren't necessary like they sound you're like oh so you Education administrations, you can be a principal, be like, you'd be surprised how hard those degrees are. Like a librarian, dude, it is so hard to get a master's. My mom is, uh, was a librarian and uh, before she retired, she ran uh, all the libraries for a group of colleges. And when we were kids, she had like a master's of library sciences. And we thought that was so funny and made fun of it so much and then became adults. And were like, Oh, that's like the hardest. It is an outrageously hard degree. Like thinking of it this way, anyone who has the discipline to go get a master's, you know, in an, in an odd field, that's harder than you'd think. And that people don't, cause if you're going to get a master's, right, you get it in like, actually I got a master's in neuropsychology. You're like, well, Looks like I'm standing next to a smart guy. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, a you, want, you want the prestigious master. So if you're getting a master, imagine the discipline it takes to get all that. And uh, I, mean, I think we all know the discipline it takes to be an NFL coach. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't know that about him, but you've sold me on him just with that information. I mean,
1: he was in school for like eight years post high school. Like that's just dedication. How many of us would actually want to do that?
2: Because he has his doctorate
1: on top of his master's. Insane.
2: Or some people will go through that many years of post secondary education and, and still be working here on a podcast.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: and then he moved his way up the ladder in Chicago. So like he got his doctorate and he's like, okay, guys, well here I am. Gonna be a quality control coach.
0: Jay has a doctorate in receiving
2: my text messages. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm looking forward to writing a dissertation this off
3: season. So yeah. I'll probably <laughs> be picking your brain about That'll that. That'll be in one. the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh I mean, you know, when, you know what else is hard, Sai? I know we're talking about head coaches, but what What's hard is being a receiver and being nominated for MVP award. Justin Jefferson, right? Just the season that he had that the MVP award candidacies, or I guess the the finalists came out, and it was four quarterbacks, uh, Joe Burrow, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, and um, uh, Jalen Hurts. And just understanding that list, I mean, just seeing that list, how much of J.J.'s name being in that shows how great a season was for him this year?
0: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was pretty spectacular. I, like I said earlier, I, I think, you know, we had a lot of different conversations about a lot of different things, you know, play calling quarterbacks, all this stuff. And I think what it comes down to more often than not is the Vikings had the best football player on the field in almost every single game they played all year long. And that's, that's crazy. Um, especially because like, Wide receivers, uh, yeah. To, to your point, Gabe. You know, there's there's a lot of positions that affect the game in dramatic ways, and. The wide receiver position seems to be, from a dumb guy's perspective, changing. With the Mm -hmm. McConnell, right? Uh, Excuse me, O'Connell. I combined him and McVay. They have like a super football baby, the McVonnells. Um, But it's, it's changing, right? This different scheme, you know, the motion, what we saw with Cooper Cup, and then we saw Justin Jefferson in that role. Like, it's just, we're just seeing wide receiver play done differently. And I think it's an incredible accomplishment. My one thing that I am worried but also enthused about is like I I think I'm the only guy on the planet who would like to see Justin Jefferson's usage
3: decrease. I don't disagree with you on that
0: Gabe you, you you played I mean you had to have played in the slot in college right yeah
3: yeah like I I don't I don't disagree with you on that. I, I do think his production does need to decrease a little bit.
0: For, for a bunch of reasons. One, it means that we have more production from other places, right. the running back spot, wide receiver two. You know, we've seen what the tight end has done. But also, I mean, that like moved. you know, getting that production, if you're on the outside, if you're a – you remember that everybody remembers the Randy ratio, right? If you're getting that sort of production and you're on the outside, those are different routes. They're different on your legs. And, and you know, if you're moving to the slot part of the time, if you're in the backfield, if you're throwing the ball, I hope – I think it'll be a good thing if he's as good as he was this year and his production and usage is less because it'll be a more balanced team. And that might not mean – that might mean he might not be in the running for MVP next year. Or the year after, but it might mean the the team is in a lot better place. And I I think regardless of whether you can get people to buy into a wide receiver at, you know, at the MVP spot, the the, uh, whole NFL top 100 players where everybody who's involved in the game votes, I think you're going to see Justin Jefferson's name on the top of that list next year and near the top of it for years to come. And that's a pretty big indictment on how he's viewed league-wide.
2: Kudos to Tatum Everett for beating the drum for him being the MVP candidate for this season. (laughs) I did die on that hill a long time ago.
1: (laughs) The last couple of games weren't awesome for his, like, you know, like he didn't have the momentum going into the voting, but I was ready to, like, make TikToks and reels and just, like, you know, yell it from the rooftops if people weren't even considering it because I just— you know that when you think about who is the most valuable player on this team like that's who you would noticeably look when their the amount of targets or catches were at a certain point you win when they were at this certain point you lose and like that was the fact like the difference in the equation um no one no one was like that in the league except for JJ
0: and if you take you know if you let's let's walk into a different universe which you don't get to do but just for fun let's say instead of getting throttled in Green Bay, if the Vikings not only win, put an end to maybe the Aaron Rodgers regime in Lambeau, right? And JJ, and like, let's, let's just have this silly conversation where JJ goes nuts, right? I think I, I think there's a case to be made there. Yeah. I, I think he's absolutely like, not only in the running, but everybody's like, whoa, we just, it doesn't matter what these other quarterbacks have done. I think it, we, we have to, it's, Kind of like Adrian Peterson, the year that he won MVP when he came back from the knee surgery, like a lot of it was Jay, you'll remember this, like he had a great season and down the stretch it was like these incredible games. But and I talk about this all the time, I I feel like, but they were it was a Sunday night game. The Vikings had to beat the Packers to get in, right, Jay? The very last game of the season. Yep,
2: it was winning. And in.
0: Christian Ponders on like He's the quarterback of the team There's like very little time left on the clock. Adrian Peterson is near 2,000 yards or maybe he's broken it at this point. We're at like about midfield-ish area, 50, 40, other 40, something like that. And in the history of modern football, with that clock situation, everybody's throwing the ball. Everybody. And they hand it off to Adrian Peterson because he's the only thing that works for him. And Pearson runs it, like, 30, 40 yards down to the goal line to set up the game-winning field. But, like, that was a moment. And then he's in the, he comes up seven yards short. And he's he's in the post-game interview. I think it was maybe Tafoya asking him, like, seven yards, AP, or nine yards, whatever, he came up short. And you've got that great quote of him just going, nine what? Nine what? Like, he had no idea. He didn't – but there was such iconic imagery with that time moment and big time run capping off this big time season. I think the same thing, Tatum, I think you're absolutely right. The same, if JJ would have had an iconic moment to cap off the season, I think they'd almost have been forced to give it to him given what he did in Buffalo on such a visible level and what he did all year long.
2: Yeah. I think the thing about it, especially with that Peterson year was he was just completely undeniable and, and, you know, yeah. and, and that one, it was the whole idea of, you know, they're stacking like eight and nine man boxes and Adrian was still That's ripping hilarious. off those kind of yards. You, and so, so tough. Day? oh, for sure. And 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 part of it, I though, too, it. the thing about Jefferson, you know, and, on a similar vibe was you just brought up like the Bills game. If he doesn't have that ridiculous circus catch, you know, we're not even getting close to having the ability to stay with them, let alone win that game. Um, how many times did you have to have it, you know, uh, making the catch on the three yard line at the the end of the game? He was doing everything he had to, you know, everyone in the entire stadium, let alone the country who was watching that game, knew who was going to get that ball. And he was still doing it. And I think having more of those moments um, as his career continues to progress is going to make him more and more undeniable. And if he does. Continue to have seasons like this. At some point, he's going to pop one of those awards, and it's whether it's almost a lifetime achievement award for everything that he's doing, versus you know season to season. I think so many of these MVP awards and everything are popularity contests, and you know, guys, all the the four other guys that are in the running for it right now are one of those guys that are undeniable too, and how much of a difference maker they are for their team. I think for Justin, the whole idea is going to be if he continues to do this year after year after year. Um, you know, he's going to pop something like this because of just him being completely undeniable as one of the best players in the league.
3: And I think to your point, Si, of Justin Jefferson will be at the top of some of those lists next year, I think that's what that's the reason why we have not seen running backs or non-QBs win this award because the following year they kind of have a drop-off year. So if Justin Jefferson, you know, we could use him in a more quality and efficient way and he still has the same production – I do think it's a very valuable argument next year that he should be uh, considered for MVP. I mean, his goal next year is to get two thousand receiving yards. So if that's the case, but we're not targeting him as much as we did. I mean, we had. I mean, if he has the same amount of targets this year, which was, I believe, one hundred and eighty something targets, crazy. and two thousand receiving yards next year, he, he's definitely in that in that in that argument.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think that's kind of. I'm just one of those guys, whether it's basketball or. For football or anything else, you know, athletes have changed how they're, how they're raised. They don't play through sports anymore. You know, how the body, how they recover high usage doesn't like take Vikings and Jefferson out of it. Really high usage consecutively, you know, usually leads to a little bit of a tougher time in the future. So, you know, I'm excited to see them get some more weapons in the building and, and really fully form, you know, an offense that feels multi-headed, because that's the thing. You hit on another wide receiver, another weapon. All of a sudden, you start looking like the Dolphins' weapons, the Chiefs' weapons, you know, where you're like, oh, my gosh. It, it's coming at us from a lot of different ways here.
1: So J.J. got in the MVP conversation, but I saw on Twitter there were several several uh, fans who were pretty upset that they felt Kevin O'Connell was snubbed for coach of the year. What are your thoughts on the list of coaches um, on there, not including KOC, first year head coach with thirteen wins and eleven and zero and one score games.
0: What are so? Who are the coaches that are on the list above him?
1: Sean McDermott, Nick Sirianni, Kyle Shanahan, Brian Dable, and Doug Peterson.
0: Yeah, I mean that's pretty stupid. Uh, <laughs> now, now I'm I'm going to say some things that Viking fans will love and I'm going to say some things that they will not love. That To have five names and have them be those, like, that's very stupid. I, I think Nick Sirianni is a fantastic coach. Um, I think Kyle Shanahan is a fantastic coach. To me, those organizations should be up for general manager of the year, and I'm sure they probably are. But when you look at the rosters built, the, the draft picks that have been hit, year in and year out in san francisco you know the aj brown trade in philadelphia combined with the draft picks they've hit there you know the 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 signings they have like to me those are those coaches are absolutely fantastic but there is a bit of a uh you know there's a there's a organizational vibe there it's like what do you to me coach of the year is what are you dealing with and what did you accomplish So do I think Kevin O'Connell could go coach those two rosters and have really good years? Yeah, I do very much think that. To me, it was Brian Dable. That team was horrific. They've been horrific for so long. Like, think about this. People are like, the Giants should keep Daniel Jones. Can you imagine that conversation a year ago? Brian Dable, like, I thought Dable and his staff, Kafka. I mean, look at what they did to us in the biggest moment. Dable is fantastic. I'm a huge Doug Peterson guy. I love Trevor Lawrence. It's like, it's not difficult to be better than uh, than Urban Meyer. You know, I think I think you can be very bad and be better than Urban Meyer as an NFL head coach. But what Doug Peterson did there this year, so like those two, I very much get those. I I love Sean McDermott. I don't know if anybody saw the video of him. You know, Diggs is an emotional player. You know he can be a little tough to deal with. He's I love I think he's fantastic. He's one of my favorite players. But I don't know if you guys saw the video of McDermott calming him down on the sideline this year, and Diggs like putting his head on his shoulder. Fantastic! Like I think that guy is an awesome coach. So if you look at it, what's what's more impressive? Is it you know two guys who have awesome awesome rosters built really really well you know, low-priced quarterbacks, talent all over the place that hasn't come to contract yet? Or is it, you know, what Dable and Peterson are doing? Or is it McDermott, who's dealing with a lot of the cap issues now that you have a high-priced quarterback and your defense was out all year, you know? I don't know, man. To keep that conversation going and apply it back to Kevin O'Connell, like... you took a team that had been, like, it, it's, it literally is coaching. I don't know how else you go, like, hey, we lost all those games last year and we won them this year. It's it's one of the few times that you can, and I liked Mike Zimmer, but you can directly say, like, coaching made a difference. Like, so, uh, yeah, it, he wouldn't have been my pick for winner. Sorry, everyone but to have him not in the top five let alone maybe the top three is absurdity
2: I agree with you and part this of is that like, that's
0: why I'm not on Twitter I would have thrown an F- <laughs>
2: <laughs> I agree with you in that, and that and the whole thing is again if it's not the popularity contest of who is the best team this year and it truly is who is the coach that led his team to a point where people didn't expect them to be there. To me it's Daybull. And the reason why is if you remember even preseason wise, they were listed to potentially be like a bottom five team in the league as far as what people expected for their wins. Yeah. And for them to make the run not only to the playoffs, but then to win a playoff game on on his dime, I just it felt to me like Daybull is the one that really outshined the other coaches. And even Peterson, you know, there's some talent down there. There's definitely some young talent in Jacksonville. And, again, they were kind of surprising. But to me, it was Dayball this season – overall surprised me the most as far as what he got out of that team.
0: Well, and I, and this is something else that nobody's going to like. Um, and I don't know when they decide these awards. Do they decide them? They decide them at the end of the regular season, right? Typically. Yes. Yeah. That's
2: where the voting happens for MVP and everything is the end of the regular season.
0: So, but I, uh, you know, I have this thing that uh, you can't pass the class if you fail the final and uh, you know, and I, I think, we, our state is so sensitive our fans were all so sensitive that like if you were like oh, that wasn't great they're like how dare you say <laughs> we did something not good like we get our we get our hot dishes up in our you know all up in our loins and lose our minds but it, <laughs> I, I I think when you lose the way you've been winning when you've been winning around the margins when you lose in that way in the playoffs I think that's tough I think you know, a lot of the things that are being dissected about our our loss, you know, fall into that category. Like it's, you know, we, you know, took the class all year and kind of failed the final. And to Davey's credit and to Doug Peterson's credit, they went in as as lower seeds. Uh, well, Jacksonville they had a home game. Uh, I thought they were the worst team, um, but uh, to go in and pass the final, if you will, that that says a lot. You know.
3: Yeah, I would. I mean. I agree with the list outside of um, Doug Peterson and Sean McDermott, like you guys said. Like I, I do think Kevin O'Connell should be on that list, but I would also put Dan Campbell on that list. Also, from turning a, a three and fourteen team yeah, to a nine. Dan Campbell, and, like, no. go ahead.
0: The year, that's it. That's him. You're right, Gabe. How did I not think of that? That psychopath is my coach of the year. That, <laughs> he is absolutely one of the guys we had on the tailgate. Zach yeah. Martina, diehard lifelong Vikings fan. He has, or excuse me, Lions fan has brought me into the world of Dan Campbell, brought me past the corny quotes and the silly, like, the craziness, you know, and brought me into who he like, I told this, Jay, well, I mean, it's Zach Martina had told both of us and then was hammering on me. He was like, I need to let you know that, and he wasn't being cocky. He goes, Dan Campbell is going around town. Like, when the Vikings went there and lost, he goes, He is selling this game like it's the Super Bowl, like he is hyping an entire state up. He goes, if if Jamison Williams gets a ball and gets behind somebody, they might tear the roof off of this stadium. Right. And Lieber texted me during the game. He goes, this is the loudest I have ever heard the stadium ever in my life. And I, I think Dan Campbell, where he's still, A, I think he's starting to put those silly mistakes behind him, like those game management mistakes, even like we saw against us in the first game. And I just think, you want to talk about a culture change, a hell of a culture change here in Minnesota. Can you imagine changing Detroit's culture? I, I'm convinced that like, to win the NFC North and be a dominant team, we're, we're going through Detroit in the next few years. Like you're you're everybody's worried about the Packers. Aaron Rodgers 160 years old. Jordan Love can maybe play. Detroit is about to be a monster and Dan Campbell, good call, Gabe. That is he's my coach of the year. That's very silly, but he's my coach
3: of the year. Yeah, a lot of people were talking about that, um, you know, with him not being mentioned. I mean, I I get it to an extent. He didn't make the playoffs, but what he has done with the Detroit Lions and just just how they ended the season, I think he should have at least been one of those five. So we'll, we'll we'll see. But yeah, it'll be a a purple and blue division, I think, for the for the years to come, at least the next couple of years, with the Vikings and Lions being at the top.
0: How good is it to think about? Like now, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to knock on some wood in my house here, but how fun is it to think about packer fans (laughs) like there's going to be this moment because i you watch them right now and they're like get rid of rogers it's time for love like they're they're like trust fund babies you know where they don't you know like the richest kid in your high school like they would crash their porsche and then a week later they'd be like give a mercedes now like there's no real understanding of what anyone else who's like i worked I worked two years to buy a Volkswagen Jetta from 1995. Like, imagine when they, if the Jordan Love thing doesn't, if he doesn't turn out to be, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play professional football, think of the odd reality that's going to hit their fan base when they enter into the quarterback reality that almost every other organization has existed in. Because there's never been... I mean, we've had back-to-backs where, you know, Favre, Rodgers, you had Montana, Young, you know, Manning, Luck, even though Luck retired early. But we've never had, we've never seen back-to-back-to-back Hall of Famers in an organization,
2: have we? Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, not off the top of my head. And the thing is, you know, you think about that organization, they even had Bart Starr way back in the day uh, before any of us were born at this point. But, like, that is something that, you know, they had the lean years going into Brett Favre with Makowski, And so a lot of fans tend to say, you know, there's a whole generation of fans at this point that have never experienced that. And I, you know, I think being on this side of the river, everyone's always kind of going, guys, you have no idea what's coming. And I think there's always kind of that wishful feeling because you're tired of being beaten down by 30 years of of Hall of Fame quarterbacking. But, I mean, one thing that they've proven to do is identify those kind of players and kudos to them for doing it. But still, you know, at some point... No
0: kudos to them. Don't give me that.
2: That's funny. Listen, GM-wise, if you're willing to do it and you can find those guys, more power to you. But it's been been killer for us. So, yeah.
0: Zero kudos to them. They have two titles in 30 years Hey, congratulations. That's like somebody it's like if you inherit $10 million and then 30 years later, you have ten million two hundred thousand dollars Tatum. I have a question for you. Oh, wow. You, the tables have turned. You've seen it like I'm just this is relating to the Green Bay thing. But you've you've watched it being a being a New Orleans person. And I know you have a lot of friends down there and I know you have a lot of people down there and family have you, like, they are going through it right now, right? You you yeah. go through the 20 years of Drew Brees and Sean Payton. And then you're and now just you're like, nothing. Yeah, you're like, wait, are there bad coaches and quarterbacks
1: sometimes? Oh, is I mean, that, I that I, kind mean, of- I would say it kind of feels like you're watching them revert back to, like, pre-Sean Payton, pre-Drew Brees. Because
2: when the you ain't. think... The <laughs> Aints, right?
1: Like, you wear the bag on your head, you know? Um, I'll, I'll be honest, like... I don't really talk to a ton of Saints fans anymore. Like, my friends are Saints fans. We just don't talk about it. And my parents end up keeping up with the Vikings more because they watch what I do. So they're more Vikings right. fans right now um, than they are Saints fans. So, yeah, you kind of have this feeling of, like, where to go next and will it ever work out and what band-aid are you going to put on until you finally are able to draft a quarterback, which was – I mean, personally, I remember, <laughs> remember when – when Joe Burrow won the super well, won the national championship, and everyone was like, Okay, how what do the Saints need to trade so they can trade up and get Burrow? Because we know Breeze is going to oh, be gone, yeah. we know this is we got to keep him in the state. Like people were knew what was going to happen, um, but that they, you know, and obviously everyone there, most of them are also LSU fans, so they really wanted to keep Burrow in state, but um, yeah, I mean. I think it's. I think it's going to be a rude awakening. You can't just. I mean, when you have a Hall of Fame, once in a generation, not not once, couple in a generation style player like Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love probably is not going to be the answer. He might be efficient, but he's not going to be the ga- You know, the absolute ultimate game changer the way that he is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's like it's almost like being Michael Jordan's son. You're like. <laughs> What are you supposed to do? Like, you could be pretty great. And everybody's like, yeah, when are you going to dunk from the free-throw line in a cool way and run to everybody and win six titles? Like, there's no that's – that's a tough thing to be the third guy. Also, can you imagine if it pans out? Like, if you're Jordan Love and all of a sudden you have a Hall of Fame career, you are, that is – that's some pretty boss right there. <laughs> that would be cool. But it would be cool, right? That would be some, that would be some boss stuff. And uh, the only thing that worries me about Jordan Love is in that game he came in. I think it was against the Philadelphia Eagles. I, it, was, it sucked to see, I think if you're a Packers fan, it was good. But it sucked to see his, like, he was pretty even, you yep. know. He was, he was pretty calm. And he had a little bit of that, like, Rogers thing where he was moving around, throwing positionally from different spots. His cool, calm demeanor made you go, oh, because, you know, we all <laughs> yep. talk about, we all talk about, like, quarterbacks, like it's backyard football, like, he go out and win the game and throw it, in it? But the reality is, like, being a quarterback in the NFL is getting your play, walking up to the line of scrimmage, reading the defense, knowing your progressions, maybe you make a change depending on, like, are the, the, where you are on the Peyton Manning scale and what you're allowed to do as a quarterback, right? You make your adjustments, you make your reads, and then as the ball is snapped, you find out if your read was right, essentially, right, Gabe? And you adjust to it and you progress and you make a decision. Like at, when Tony Romo, everybody's like, he's like a genius. He's calling where Tom Brady throws the ball every time. You're like, no, he's just an NFL quarterback, man. Like, he's looking at the same thing Tom Brady is looking at and going, well, if that linebacker goes there, Tom Brady's going to throw it here. And since Tom Brady's amazing at reading defenses and progressing and processing information, he was right a lot. Uh, So I think think the thing that scared me a little bit was it looked like Jordan Love was processing information in a quick, non-frantic manner. So, you know, I don't love that.
1: I love that every fan has, like, a super thick country accent.
0: I just don't do other voices, and if I do, like, I could do my Italian guy voice, but I don't want Chris Corso to send me a a DM on Instagram yelling at me, so I— No, I love it. I love it. It sounds
1: like every fan I ever—that ever called into the TV station in Texas and Louisiana to complain about— their team not being, you know, the first thing on the sports cast.
0: Oh, I love that people sometimes get after me for using that voice. Like, I don't know what you want me to I come from uncles who go, Hey, did you see the game? Like that <laughs> If you don't think that's gonna be my voice when people say something outrageous, it's just gonna be
1: I love ah, it. I love it. Funny. I feel right at home. <laughs> <laughs> well Cy, one last thing before you go, what is your off season looking like? I uh, I know you guys have you started a series ranking the purple. You can see that on YouTube and hear it on the Vikings audio channels. But um, is there anything more going on for you, um, as far oh, as the ranking the purple? Yeah.
0: There's always stuff going on, Tatum. Um, that's uh, yeah, fan- gonna that's gonna a do, fantastic
1: answer. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna
0: do we're gonna do more ranking the purple. Um, you know, and I think. When we came up with the idea, you know, and the Vikings were playing so well, it was a perfect opportunity to uh, do a playoff one. And it was so nice of Paul Lambert and, and Eric Nordquist coming and be a part of it. And I, I think the original idea for the show is that it, you know, we just get to rank anything and everything Vikings. And so it doesn't necessarily, like, it gives you the opportunity to talk about the team in the offseason um, when there's not as much to talk about in those moments, you know? And so I, I like the idea. I want to rank the greatest. We just talked about Adrian Peterson. I want to rank the greatest Adrian Peterson moments of all time, the greatest Randy Moss moments of all time. I want to do, you know, I want to rank iconic fans that we've had, you know, the new world order championship belt, dude, I want to do food at the stadium. I want to do, you know, there's so much stuff that is, you know, involved with Viking fan culture and being a Viking fan. And so uh, we are going to do more of those. I don't know what the schedule is going to be. I don't know when we're going to do them, how we're going to do them. Um, But we are going to do them. That's exciting. I know know the next one that we're going to do is coming up here in the next month or so. And it'll be it's a really, really fun idea. But maybe I'll come on for a couple minutes and tell everybody about it when we do it. But I, I just want to lock it in first. But thank you for mentioning that.
1: Yeah, the door is nice. always open. You can always be on here. We enjoy having you and your perspective um, for now. Oh, OK, you know, but, uh, Breaking news. <laughs> oh, breaking no. Is news. there really?
0: Oh, goodness. Jeff, it's. It's small breaking news that I can tie to a conspiracy theory. The Jets have hired Nathaniel Hackett to be oh. their offensive coordinator. Oh wow. Okay,
1: where where, is this, where wow. is this person? Who did I talk to? And they were like, where is Aaron Rodgers going to go? And I was like, the Jets make a lot of sense. And yeah. they were like, no way. That's no, it's Raiders or nothing. I'm like, no, listen. And I listed all the weapons. Mm-hmm. I listed the reasons why. I got to go find them right now.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I forgot who right they right were, though. Who were and they? And <laughs> stick
0: it right down their throat. Oh, he's, here's the thing. I do. I like doing that. If, if Woody is willing to give up, uh, their owner is willing to give up multiple first-round picks, which I don't like. The moment that news came out, you're like, okay, they're getting him. Because no one else is going to. You have to be a pretty specific team to sacrifice that much for a guy who at the end of every season is like, I don't know, maybe I'll retire and hike through the woods uh so it's uh yeah he's going there that's that's I'm I'm full Dunzo. on that conspiracy. He, he's
2: gone yeah, yeah. I mean the, the conspiracy before was when he got hired at the Broncos was that they were going to get him that's why they made that move and then it didn't work out yep. and they went and got Russ and we all know how that's gone so far but I mean you got to think all the Jets need is a quarterback
1: and yes, that's what I said. Yeah, but like
3: that's, they have all. That's they have all the line. Yeah. They have
1: the running backs. Yeah. They have the receivers. They have an the amazing defense. defense. Yeah. The defense kept them in those games and made them good this season. The they literally have everything.
2: Yeah, and all he has to do is change one color on his jersey from gold to white, and they're good. So, you know, <laughs> yeah.
0: And Joe Namath publicly said yeah, he'd he unretire yep. number twelve yep. for
2: Aaron Rodgers. He did.
1: He did. It's and happening. Also, and, and he
2: gets to go to New York. So what the heck? Yeah.
0: Yep. Also, I'm going to... I wonder if he'll change that fake Southern accent he has
2: when he goes to New York. Forget about
0: it. sits on Snap Mac and be like, Ah, you know, every once in a while I kind of like dipped into a draw, you're like, what are you, me? Telling jokes? <laughs> He's
1: literally from California.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, I'm okay. Thank you, guys. Goodbye. I appreciate you. Appreciate your size, <laughs> dude. I, what a way to end. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's this week's episode of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. We will be back with more next week. Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life slash kids.